I'm a bit disappointed I can't hear karaoke. I, told, I got told that Anna had to compete with Street Car- uh, Sweet Caroline last week. Is that, is that true? You can all help. You can all do some karaoke in the middle if it's, if it's better. It might be more entertaining. Um, I, so, yeah, I had the privilege of being the curate at Exeter Network Church, Naomi was just saying about. So uh, some of you, most of you, I imagine, would have been up to the, uh, the gatherings on Sundays. Um, and I was a curate there for three years, which was brilliant. And it, it was always the plan that I would be on staff with ENC and then build a small team and then go and... Um, uh, help serve and hopefully see like rejuvenation in a, in a, in a parish on the edge of Exeter that ha- had shrunk actually over a period of 15 years or so and there were just a small number of beautiful elderly folk there so our, our job is to go and love them and also try and build rebuild a kind of church for the future so that's what we've been trying to do for the last year and a half uh, that's why I'm a bit greyer and a bit, <laughs> a bit heavier bags under my eyes but it's, it is a joy it's a treat so um, yeah come and come and say hi or whatever I'm sure we, like, we're still part of the kind of ENC family in a way so we'd love you know we, we, it's fun to come and see you guys um, if you have a bible with you please get it out that would be great and if you have a phone that has a bible app please get it out and if you don't have a bible app on your phone get onto google and if you could just open the book of acts in some way that would be that would be awesome we're definitely going to spend a bit of time uh, digging into the scriptures together and it will be much better if you can really be looking at it and engaging with it as well as listening to what i'm saying um so i've been asked to speak about witness witness and I know that over the last sort of three weeks, you've done some other W's. I believe you've had a week on wonders, signs and wonders. You've had a week on uh, waiting, on waiting on God in different ways as part of our discipleship, as part of our life with him. And then last week, Anna spoke to you about worship, about using every part of your life, giving everything you have in worship. And Naomi was saying about the singing songs, there's something so special about gathering as part of God's people and being able to enter the throne room, as it were, in our worship with him. That's beautiful. And, but actually, worship is our whole lives. That's, I think, what Anna was saying last night. And I think she said to me that she then challenged you guys. She said, God fills you with his spirit. You get in his presence. You have this time in the church. And then he sends you out. So I hope you're ready, which tees me up beautifully for my talk about witness. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time. I'm going to get you to kind of talk to each other a little bit. And then we're going to have some time to kind of pray and stuff at the end. But I'd love to know, um, yeah, as we go, I'd love to know what you think. And there's going to be some time to discuss stuff as well. Um, So let's just do a little bit on the language, first of all. Witness. It's kind of a bit Christianese. It's kind of a bit Christian languagey. What do we mean? Why do we say witness? Well, a a witness simply points to something that happens and tells the truth about it, tells a true story of what happened. So a car accident or something happens in life and the witness to it, a crime, faithfully and truthfully tells what happened to someone who wasn't there. So you've been looking at the book of Acts and that is Luke's own faithful witness to his, his, it's his own retelling of what happened in those early years of the church. So Luke, as in the gospel writer, then wrote Acts, many of you will know, but it's a continuation of that. And in the, in the gospel, he's telling the story, he's faithfully witnessing to who this Jesus was. And then in the book of Acts, he's faithfully witnessing to what his people then went on to do in that time. So what exactly was it that he was witnessing to? that those early disciples witnessed to and that we too are meant to witness to. 
So can you open your Bible at the book of Acts and get chapter 1, verse 7 for me? I'm giving you a lot of hard time about not having your Bible open. I need to get mine out of my bag. Okay, have a little look. He said to them, Jesus is just about to ascend. He's just about to go back to be with the Father, to be at the right hand of God. And he said to them, it is not for you, you lot, to know the times or dates that the Father has set by his own authority for when I'm going to come back and set all things right. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in, in your hometown here, in all of Judea, so the surrounding area, in Samaria, so over in the foreign lands full of the, those, those kind of dirty race traitors that you lot hate most of the time. You've got to go to them as well, he's saying, those unlike you, those who you think probably wouldn't qualify to get to know God. You've got to go to them. And then to the ends of the earth, everywhere, even to Exeter. So you are to be my witnesses, he says. Go now to chapter 2, verse 32. Chapter 2, verse 32. Uh, uh, yeah, so Peter stands up, right? So Peter, they've just been, all the, the Holy Spirit has fallen at Pentecost, and they're all like speaking in these different tongues, and everyone's going, why are they drunk or something? And Peter stands up and he goes, no, they're not drunk. It's nine in the morning. And then he starts explaining. You guys are waiting for this Messiah. And then he goes on to say, verse 32, God has raised this Jesus to life, the one that you all killed. And we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he's received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. And then last one, chapter 3, verse 13. Have a little Verse 13, it says, The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. What a beautiful bit of poetry from Fisherman Peter there. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. So you get the idea. If we are his, our job is to witness to him, to point to Jesus whenever we get the opportunity, to be like walking signposts that point to people to this new life and this resurrection that has happened and that he offers us as well. And that's what we see those first Christians doing all the way through the book of Acts and then all down through church history. The church is the faithful witness. We're here tonight as the church. The church is the faithful witness to the truth of what happened to Jesus and what Jesus is now doing in the earth. Now, like you, I wasn't there. Like, I'm a bit older than you, but not that much. I, was, I wasn't there either. Unfortunately, I was born 2,000 years too late to literally witness the resurrected Jesus and have him cook me some fish on a, on, a, on a barbecue on the beach. Imagine how good a chef Jesus would be on that barbecue. The creator of the universe making you some breakfast. But you and I are responsible for handing down that witness that those first disciples had, who, who really did have Jesus 
cook them food. We, we witness to that, we witness to this, but we also witness, I hope, to what Jesus has done in our own lives, the truth of what Jesus has done in our own lives. I wasn't always a Christian, and I can absolutely truthfully, with absolute certainty, witness to how the risen Jesus has transformed my life. He's completely changed me. He's healed me and restored me in so many ways. I could go on about all night. And he's made me closer to the person that God had always designed me to be. But I always, I always just screwed it up. I always found myself going down a wrong alley. And I couldn't do it on my own, actually, because, because I was unplugged from, from the source. I would always find a wrong alleyway. And I couldn't do, despite my very best efforts, despite my hardest work, despite all my searching, I could never actually fully click into who I was designed to be because I was trying to do it without Jesus. That's what I'm a witness to. And I imagine all of you have got your own story of different kinds. Everyone's story is completely different. So we witness to the truth of who Jesus is, his resurrection and this that we get handed down to us, this message. And we witness to the reality of what Jesus is doing now in our lives and how he changes our lives. Okay? So we are trying to learn how to do that in our own little corner of the world in, in Whipton, which is, uh, if you know where the big Sainsbury's is up in Exeter, do it, wave at me if you kind of know where Whipton is. Do any of you know where Whipton is? Okay, yeah, 50%. Brilliant. Uh, it's a beautiful place. Um, uh, since we went with ENC, with, with a planting team, we went about 18 months ago, and we have found that the only thing we can offer people is Jesus. Like, that sounds a dumb thing to say, but I've met so many new friends on the estate we work in within Whipton, and life is, uh, life is so challenging and so complex for some of my new friends that there's nothing I can do <laughs> to, to help them. Honestly, there's nothing I can do to help them. It's not even like if they would just start coming along on a Sunday and joining in a gathering and being part of... Like, the problems in, in some of their lives are so complex and are kind of generational in, in reality that I can't do anything. And actually, even as a church, really, we can't do anything. But we know someone who can. We know that Jesus, we know Jesus and we know that he can. So all we have to offer them is Jesus. We don't have anything in ourselves that can make that kind of a difference to people's lives. Our job in the church in Whipton is like two things, two words, but if you remember nothing else, have a think and try and remember these things. Proximity and witness. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to just build deep, loving friendships with people. Like where we walk out life with them. We, we drink in the pub with them. They come around our house for tea. We go around their house for tea and hang out. We help them when they're in, in a pickle. We walk their dogs with them. We, we tr- just do life with them. One, one way or another, whatever happens, we do life with them. Proximity, sharing our very unshiny lives with them and their very unshiny lives. And none of it looks good on Instagram, honestly. Like, it's, it would, none of it's kind of like sexy. It's all very, very ordinary and very basic. But we, we're next to them. We're next to them in their lives, whatever happens. Proximity. And secondly, witness. 
telling them whenever the opportunity arises that it is the resurrected Jesus who helps us get through the day. He is the one who makes sense of our lives. And that we found that nothing we do works except for him. Like he's all we've got to offer people. And our, our church building is currently being renovated. It's like a building site at the moment. It's one of the reasons I'm particularly grey. And so we're meeting um, for church on a Sunday in the pub, in the little, little local pub. It's called the Star Inn. Some of you have been there. Um, and uh, it's, it's quite a tricky place. Like it used to have a really bad reputation. It used to be where you'd go if you wanted to either buy drugs or get stabbed. Both of those things, both of those things could happen reliably. And, um, and uh, we, we got to know the landlord and landlady and said, can we like, hire your space to be, to be church here on a Sunday morning? And so we've been able to get in there and we just, we thought, right, Jesus owns everything. He owns this place. He owns this land. And we're going to worship him in this place. I don't think a worship probably will ever have gone on there in the whole history of the time of the pub. But we had the privilege of getting to lift Jesus' name in that place and worship. So we start the first week. And the bar manager, who we're getting to know, kind of just walks out. And so I'm thinking, oh, oh no. Like, have we like, really massively offended him? Is he just, he hates this stuff. And but he was in tears. And so I went to speak to him afterwards and he just said, song you guys were singing bear is one day in your courts bear is one day in your and he's just in tears and he says it just connected with me so deeply and I just don't know what to do with my you know and then I go and see the, the landlady and she's the same and she's crying and she just said I just feel like you start talking about Jesus and there's just this I feel this thing and I'm like that's the Holy Spirit that is God's spirit Sharon with us here in this place because we are Jesus's he, and so we get the privilege of being next to people and witnessing and being a signpost going, he's the one, he's the one you're looking for. Not even the church, actually. Like church is fine, but he's the one we're pointing people to. Proximity and witness. And I want to talk just a little bit about why. This, this, is, um, this is the key. Shut up. I've got ages. Hey! Right, I won't go on phrases, I promise, I promise. Um, Jesus is not just a minority sport. Jesus is not just for people who like that sort of thing. Or he's not just like one God among many. If you're a Christian and you're part of the church, you down the centuries have witnessed what those first apostles witnessed to, that Jesus is the, the Lord. He is the Lord Almighty. And he isn't just the Lord Almighty for those people who happen to agree he is. He is the only God. He is the creator. He is the one from whom all things have come. Everything is about Jesus. It's through Jesus, the word of God, that the Father created everything here. All of your friends, all of your mates, my new friends in the pub, the bar manager, the landlady, all these guys... Jesus is the God-man through whom the Father created everything. All of your mates, all of your housemates, your friends on your course, the friends you're in sports, clubs and societies with, whatever. Jesus is their Alpha and Omega too. He is their point of origin and he is their destination point. Everyone is going to stand before Jesus one day. Not just you and I, not just people who like him. 
Everyone is going to stand before Jesus one day. He is the origin, the source, the point from which everything has flowed. He is the man of light that everyone meets when they die. I don't know whether any of you have read, there's an amazing book called Imagine Heaven. If any of you want to read this book, it's really cool. This guy did a load of research into near-death experiences. So people who, in a car accident or maybe on the operating table, have died and have, have begun that process into the next life. And, uh, and he, he spoke to and collected kind of these stories from people of every language, all around the world, of every faith, um, it, it, different experiences, different levels of, you know, every variety you can imagine. And they all tell a roughly similar story. They tell the story of this man of light who comes and kind of collects them and takes them and escorts them. And there's some variation. Sometimes they go through a tunnel. Sometimes they kind of cross over a bridge. Sometimes they can see the heavenly city in front of them, like John does in his, in his revelation. And, and, and they all talk about this man of light in whose company they feel utterly at peace and yet utterly uh, like convicted. And they real everything is clear suddenly. That's Jesus, okay? Every one of your friends, every one of you, one day is going to get escorted by this man of light into the next world, as it were, and we get to make a choice. Jesus is for, for everyone. Jesus is relevant for everyone. Have a look in your Bibles, please. John 12. The voice, uh, just previous verse, verse 30, uh, Jesus said, the voice, that voice, they all heard the Father's voice. It was like a rumble. This voice was for your benefit, not mine. <laughs> I like that. Uh, verse 31, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world, the, the, the evil one, will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. We we have to bet everything we have on Jesus. He he promised that as he is lifted up, he will draw all people to himself. As we lift him up, initially as he was lifted up on the cross, but as we lift him up in praise and worship, if we point to him as the glorious one, the man of light, the one from whom everyone has come and to whom everyone is going, he will draw all people to himself. His heart is to draw all people to himself. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. And we get to be part of the fun. We get to be part of that. Our job is to lift Jesus up, is to witness to his resurrection, is to love Jesus with everything we have. And if we do that, he will draw all things to himself. Jesus is, is the meaning of everything. Like He's like the, um, the internal logic of everything in life. He's like the, the combination key to every problem you have. Like 
he, he makes sense of everything. That's why in Whipton, we, I don't have anything to offer people, frankly. Only Jesus. I, I can only point to him. Like, all of this stuff is nice. Like, church is nice, and our community life is, is great in lots of ways. And, and that's the icing. And, and the icing is nice, but the cake is Jesus. The cake is Jesus. We must give people a taste of him. Have a look at the Bible again. Matthew 11, please. Verse 27. Never put your Bible away. Matthew 11. Matthew 11, verse 27. Okay, yeah, here we go. Matthew 11, verse 27. All things... He's on his way to the cross, and he's speaking to um, his, his friends. All things have been committed to me, Jesus says, by my Father. No one knows the Son, me, except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All things are in the hands of Jesus, all of heaven and earth. The Father has bestowed in Jesus' hands everything. He makes sense of everything. He gets you. You might be here tonight and you might not know Jesus or you might, you might think, yeah, I don't know, no one gets me. Jesus gets you. Jesus gets you. He knows, he knows all about the ins and outs of your life. He sees you just as you are and he loves you and he's right with you. Everything means something because it's all in Jesus' hands. We're told again and again by our culture that everything's kind of arbitrary. Like, it doesn't really matter what you do. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. Like, make your own truth. Like, yeah, you know, like, connect with who you want, sleep with who you want, take whatever you want, do whatever you want with your body. It's all meaningless. It all means something because Jesus is at the, at the very centre of it. He's the source of all life and creativity and truth and goodness and health. And that's why when his followers, those who have turned their lives to him, when they face him, science is invented and civilizations are born and literature and music and theatres and cathedrals and schools and hospitals. Wherever Jesus is held up and people bet everything they have on him, those things happen. And whenever a culture turns away from him, Things start to wither. Things start to wither and get lost and start to go wrong. So that's why we witness. I've gone on a bit of a tangent, but it's an important one. Why do we witness? We witness because he is everything. He is, it's not just a minority sport. It's not just for people who like that kind of thing. Jesus is like the internal logic of the whole universe. And your friends, you might have friends who are kind of searching, they're kind of interested. I was at university and I was kind of asking questions, but I, I, didn't, I didn't know anything about the Christian faith. And I had some friends, there was a bloke who was at university with called Christian Dan. His name wasn't really Christian Dan, but he was, he was Christian Dan. You might be Christian Dan to someone. His name was Christian Dan and he was just my mate. 
And he walked out that time with me, and he just went, he wasn't annoying with it, but just, he would just, he would just point to Jesus. He would be like, do you know that's, do you know that's Jesus that you're looking for, or that you're really talking about? That was his job. He loved me, and he pointed me to Jesus. I want you to have a conversation with one another for a moment to stop me talking. Um, uh, I want you to puzzle something out for me. I, got, I, got, I heard someone say this once, and it really bothered me. It really jarred with me. So I hope to jar you in some way. It jarred with me, but I've been thinking about it ever since. And I, and I, I want to know whether you think it's true or not. So have a chat with the person next to you. This is the statement. Love without Jesus is like a signpost pointing nowhere. Love without Jesus is like a signpost pointing nowhere. Do you think that's true or not? Have a little chat. Two minutes. Okay, you beauties, let's come back together. I would imagine if you're anything like me, in those moments in church when someone says, right, discuss it with the person next to you, maybe about 30% of the time we actually talk about it, but whatever, I'd, be, I'd love to know afterwards, even if, if you want to have a chat or whatever. But actually, let's just do a little clunky wave of hands. How many, people, how many people think that's true? That love without Jesus is like a signpost pointing nowhere? It's okay to disagree with me. I'm not sure what I think. Tell me what you think. If you think it's true, give me a little way. And then conversely, like if you, if you think, no, that's not true, give me a little way. Okay. And a load of people who didn't want to put their hands up. Fair enough. Um, so, okay. Fine. I want to, I want to suggest to you that, um, uh, that we do the first one, love, proximity, I said, friendship, just have, like building love, like great relationships with people. That's beautiful. And I want to suggest that it's even more beautiful if we can then sometimes point people to the source of that love and that beauty and that life and that goodness. And, um, 
And, and I think that's what we're going to try and look at now quickly. We're going to, I, I, my, my thing was like what, why we witness and then how we witness. So let's try and do the how while I've still got some time. Can you all look at our Acts 17, please? I told you not to be going away. Acts 17, verse 16 onwards. Paul is in Athens. He's been hanging out with his friends. He's been kind of turning up in different places and then getting chased out of town because what he says is just blowing people's minds. And then he arrives in Athens on his own. So let's have a look at verse 17 on, uh, sorry, 16 onwards. Acts, Acts chapter 17, verse 16. Here we go. We're going to track through this, so stick with me. We're going to just have a look through and then we're going to talk about some of the things we can learn from Paul. While Paul was waiting for his buddies, Silas and, I think, is it Barnabas he was with? Silas and someone. Anyway, Silas and Timothy. He's waiting for his friend Silas and Timothy in Athens, and he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols, statues of loads of different gods. So he reasoned in the synagogue, the Jewish place of worship, with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, so those guys who weren't technically Jewish but who wanted to get to know God, he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace, day by day, with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Some of your friends might say that to you. What is this babbler on about? Uh, others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection he's witnessing. Then they took him, Paul, and they brought him to the meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. And then in brackets, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in this meeting of the Oropagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. And that word means, uh, in, in the Greek, it's like, it means spiritual. He's, he's, it's a compliment. He's saying to them, you guys are, are searching. I can see that you are spiritual people. I can see that you're reaching out in some way for the more. Your, you, your friends might be like searching in some way for the more, for the bigger thing. I can see that you're very religious, but as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So the Greeks had this pantheon of gods, but they, they were so worried that they might miss one, that they had an altar to an unknown God. It's like covering their bases, basically. They're like, like and in case it's not him or him or him or her, we're going to have this one and we'll say that covers all other eventualities. So they've got this idol to an unknown God. And then Paul says this. He says, so you are ignorant of the very thing that you worship. This is what I'm going to proclaim to you, he says. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. Jesus, the one I was just telling you about. He is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, Adam, he made all the nations 
and they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of the lands. God did this so they would seek him and perhaps even reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And what Paul does there is he quotes from um, a popular poet. He, he, he wouldn't have been like well-versed in the poetry of the Athenians, but he must have been in town and he must have heard this or read this or something. And he, and he picks up on something from around him in the culture and he goes, that's Jesus. Do you know that? Like that's who that's, who that's pointing to. So I want to really quickly underline three things I want you guys to think about doing. Firstly, you witness, like Paul, with your lifestyle. You live as if Jesus is everything. You, you, uh, you bet everything you have on Jesus. As if this actual story of your life is just a prelude to the eternity you're going to spend with God. So you all, you guys are at university, you will build a life for yourselves. I bless you, I hope you have an amazing time. But please remember, this is even, even if you have the best time while you're here, it's still only, like it's barely even chapter one. You're going to spend a whole eternity with the Lord of all creation. And that's going to be way better. Please remember that what you do now is just a moment. Live for the eternity that you are built for. Like Paul, give, give your heart, give your life, give everything you have in worship and witness to Jesus. Second, conversation. I want you to, I want you to witness through your conversation. We witness through ordinary stuff that, um, that we come across when we're with our friends. So um, it's always just pointing. It's always just going, that's him, you know. It's him, that's Jesus. So that song you love, or that ache you feel when you hear it, it's like an echo of him. That, that sense, that strong emotion, that desire you have to connect with another person, to be known and to know them, that's Jesus you're after, really. Uh, or that desire to achieve something, to be significant in some way, to do something important with your life, that comes from that sense of design that actually he's put in you. Peter always, he, he reminds us to always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that you have, but to do it with gentleness and respect. So always be ready to go, That's, like he's, he's the one who made it all, he's the one who created it all, he's the best. And then thirdly, power. So with your lifestyle, with your conversation, Thirdly, your acts of power, like the, those disciples and Paul would go around and he, they would speak, yes, of Jesus, but they would also be prepared to lay hands on someone and say, he, healing, come, or broken. I, I was on the Alpha course about 15 years ago and I uh, had them pray for my leg and I was quite cynical and, and it completely healed my leg and it, that got my attention, you know? Like, and if my mate hadn't prayed, I don't know if I'd be here today, genuinely. So will you dare to be the one who prays for your friend. Acts of power, witnessing through acts of power as well. I, I'm running out of time. I want, let's stand together. Let's stand together. So, your friends are, um, we are all, 
and including your friends. We are all searching for the one who, who made us. We are all built to be in relationship with him. We are all built to be living our lives, turning to face him. And sometimes we find that we've turned away. My question to you guys tonight is, are you willing to be a signpost for him? Are you willing to, to dare to say, that's him, like that guy you're looking for, or uh, that truth you're after, or that beauty you've seen, that's just a little shard of, of the beauty of Jesus. It, it's a taster. Let, let me introduce you to the real guy. Um, we're going to just have a time to pray, so maybe if Ban would fancy coming back up, if that's all right, and we're just going to have a time to respond. Um, you know, like, uh, so a signpost in our city here, a signpost is going to point, point people in a direction. The first time I ever came to Leicester, I had to get the train, I lived in, uh, I, sorry, first time I ever came to Exeter, I came from Leicester, and I had to get the train, and I just genuinely didn't know where the train station was. It sounds like a stupid example, obvious. And there was a whacking great sign on the wall that said railway station. And so I chose to follow it, and I ended up where I wanted to get to. And, uh, and, but I had a choice, I had a choice. And what, what I wanna to say to you guys is that you guys, um, you guys have a choice whether to be a signpost or not. Because had there not been a signpost there, I don't know if I'd ever got to the railway station, or if someone hadn't shown me the way, um, my question to you guys is, are you willing to be used by him in this way? Are you willing to be a generation of people who are willing to speak the name of Jesus to your friends, to point to him? So we're going to have just a time to pray, to, to rest. Just, I'm going to try and stop talking. You guys try and just take a moment. I'd encourage you to just close your eyes.